0: Welcome to another edition of the Bad Podcast. I am Doug Maurice, along with the B, Bill Landis, the A, Ari Wasserman. I'm the D. We work for Cleveland.com. didn't sound right. You can read us all week at Cleveland.com slash OSU. We write stories, we do videos, and now we have also incorporated a podcast this season. Um, guys, I know Ari is always a little apprehensive when I start off topic, but I just wanted to say, what am I drinking right now? Looks like a, uh, nice McDonald's coffee. So as we are recording this, this was a seminal moment in American history. This is the day when McDonald's started serving breakfast all day long. However, already we're disappointed and Ari's Frank, Ari's a little outraged, frankly. I gotta be honest. I might be out on the McDonald's breakfast the after- if you don't serve McGriddles, then don't tell me about breakfast. There's no breakfast if it's not McGriddles at McDonald's. No McGriddles, no sausage biscuits. They got McMuffins and hotcakes and sausage. So I made my own McGriddle, but it's not the same. It's, I mean, it's crafty. I'm
2: proud of you. I know that you, uh, you are a sausage biscuit man, uh, but you had to make do because you couldn't even get that. So I'm never going to be the kind of guy who has to order hotcakes and fold it. I can make it myself if I have to do it. Don't come at me with breakfast in the afternoon if you're not going to serve the number one breakfast item that everybody in America loves. So right now,
1: I'm out. Did you fold, like, was it pancake or hot cake, whatever you prefer, pancake, sausage patty, pancake, or did you, like, make it like a taco?
0: No, I go pancake, sausage patty, pancake, because already, since you get three hotcakes, you have one extra pancake at the end of your sandwich. I didn't want two. You know, so yeah. it, it's a sausage sandwich with the two pancakes as the two slices of bread, and then you would have one lonely pancake. And what you did you do with the syrup? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't use the syrup actually because uh, it was I was driving. So I, I know, I know it wasn't the same. And we're not just talking about this just to complain. We're hoping to enact change. We're yeah. hoping that there are McDonald's head honchos who listen to this, and maybe by next week we'll have McGriddles all so day. You were driving a minivan, a minivan, while eating. Two
2: pancakes as a bun for a sausage today. Two that's plain pancakes. Absolute <laughs> savage move right there. I guess you got to do what you have to do. Uh, that's your way of coping with disappointment. I uh, <laughs> I mean, I like... Today I had breakfast for lunch and I made Eggo waffles. And I made them as French toast. I used them as a French toast and put it in the pan. And that was oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, that's
1: good. Yeah. Look at you. Like three I'll weeks ago you didn't know how to cook and now you're making French toast out of Eggo waffles. Yeah,
2: and it's like something my mom used to make me as, uh, as a kid and uh, it's really, really good, and uh, I made it myself, so shout, well, Mom. We'll, we'll keep
0: talking about Ari's family <laughs> yeah. because that's what the people want, but we want to talk about Ohio State this week, and is Ohio State going to make the playoff? And there are, are a lot of ways that people around the country are discussing this topic and different ways you can look at it. But I think Ari made a good point. We, our problem with our podcast is that we have great podcast conversations all week when the podcast isn't on. Yeah. And we say, oh, we have to stop talking. We can't talk anymore. we got to save this for the podcast. And then we get to the podcast and we're completely out of things to say. So this is like our D material. You should have heard the stuff we said like three days ago. The pizza, the pizza discussion on the drive back. From Bloomington,
1: Indiana, was podcast gold, and we ruined it. And, we and
2: were, I lost my Timbits virginity on Friday.
0: Oh yeah, Timbits. We had a whole Timbits, but now it's stale. Now it's stale. So we're gonna they we're, we're gonna to stale, keep actually. it fresh. <laughs> and Ari just said this, and I think it's good for us since we're wrapped up in Ohio State all the time. It's good to have an outsider's view sometimes. So one of those outsiders who cares a lot about Ohio State football is Ari's dad. And Ari, what does your dad think of Ohio State football right now?
2: He thinks that they lack the emotion. He calls me and he, he says, hey, how are you doing? How are things going? You know, the normal dad conversation. And all of a sudden he goes, so why doesn't Ohio State play with emotion? And it's like, can I just live my life? But it's true. He kind of says that Ohio State to him looks like a team in the last five minutes of, a, of the fourth quarter when they're down by two touchdowns, that they're just ready to wrap it up. And that people are walking around uh, – on the field waiting for other people to make plays. And, you know, they just lack the the true emotion that you saw in the playoff hunt. Now, part of that might be because of the opponents they're playing Mm -hmm. and that they're early on in the season. And there's nothing quite like emotion when you're playing Alabama. I mean, you can't fake that or duplicate that when you're playing Indiana. But just the idea that they don't play with the type of emotion and the type of uh, fire that you would expect from a team – that A, almost lost to Indiana, and B, is trying to impress the country, and I think that that's had a negative impact.
0: Bill, do you
1: agree with that? I'll buy it, I guess. I'll buy it. I'm, I'm, I'm not watching for that when we're at the games, and when I do the rewatches for the, for the post we do on Mondays, I'm not really paying attention to that. Maybe I should. Uh, maybe this week when they play Maryland, who's another team that you would expect, maybe they won't get up for in a new kickoff against a team that scored six points the last two weeks. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll buy that, that, that maybe they're not as um, – I don't know if emotionally invested is the right way to put it, but it would make sense to me maybe that if, yeah, you get up a little more for Alabama than you would against Indiana or Western Michigan, I'll buy that. And whether or not you can turn it on again.
2: It's not something that you just try to go through the Big Ten season and win every game, and then when you get to play Michigan State, then all of a sudden you're up for it. Because, as he pointed out, and I think it's true, Ohio State did look at least in the first half of the Virginia Tech game and a lot of the second half like they did in their postseason form. Didn't it seem in the Virginia Tech game that they picked up where they left off from?
0: I mean, again, they lo- they were trailing at halftime yes. at Virginia Tech, but they came out hot, and then after some halftime adjustments, they finished hot. And Virginia Tech also game. lost the starting quarterback. Right.
2: But when you watched that game, I think I can see what he's saying. There was a certain element of excitement and playmaking ability and efficiency, even though they were losing, and they're going to be losing, it's football, but it did... You didn't leave that game thinking, "What's wrong?"
0: And here, yeah. here's the thing: of we're going to constantly compare this season to last season. That's that's just going to happen. And I and I know there's some stuff on social media um, with some of the players or some of the players' families, and they seem to be pushing back a little bit against the criticism. And it's just like, you know it's the world man I mean people shouldn't be like personally attacking people on Twitter if that's happening and maybe it is a little bit um, but there are reasons to criticize this team I mean I, you do know in no world do I buy five and0 oh, that's it hey five and0 oh, check you know yeah. on to the next thing that that is not what this is about um, because they've played terrible teams and if they played anybody good I don't think they'd be five and0 oh. And, and here's the comparison that I've, I was looking at this week is a lot of times when we reference struggles last year, we talked about how at the end of the regular season against Indiana and Michigan, this offense was a little stagnant, was a little off target, was in danger. You know, they, they were in danger against Indiana last year, just like they were last week. But when you look back at last year at this point in the season, They were killing people. They were killing people. They were in a stretch right now where they scored 50 points in five out of six games. The one game they didn't was the overtime win at Penn State. And then the next game where that streak ended was a 49-point effort winning at Michigan State. So if we're building up to Michigan State, which is what I think we're doing, are they going to be good enough by then? The way they built up to Michigan State last year, which was earlier in the season— was by killing people. They were the offense was humming, so I think that's a valid comparison because I would not say this offense is humming. No, and, and I mean there's still time. I mean they got Maryland this week, they have Penn State next week, um,
1: and then the bye week. Or no, then Rutgers and, and the Rutgers. bye week. So they're, they're they're playing some teams that they certainly on paper could blow out the way they were blowing out teams at this point last year. But yeah, I agree. It's a valid argument. This this offense just does not look as dominant. At this point in the season, as it did last year when they were scoring fifty points a game, like it was nothing. I mean, last I
2: mean, when Ohio State beat Hawaii thirty-eight nothing on paper, that looks good. But there's a certain feel and a certain eye test to the way that a team plays, mm-hmm. and Ohio State has failed every game except maybe Virginia Tech, and that was a big game at night on the road, and you know maybe it was close. And that, that, but every single time Ohio State's taken the field at home in the time since, it looks like things are wrong. It feels like it's wrong, and you look at last year and, and when you compare uh the two teams in, in JT Barrett for instance I mean Cardale has five touchdown passes through the week as part of Ohio State's schedule and it's not a quarterback discussion it's an offense discussion but the numbers and the way that this this team is a turning it over and um, b not scoring at the uh, the rate that they should be scoring I think there's clearly something off and the entire sentiment that something's not humming or that things aren't it's a fact. I mean, that's, no. it's not just, well, they won and you move on. They just don't look the way they should, and everybody can see it.
0: The one thing um, that I think is the, the toughest comparison for them is that when, if, if they struggled early last year, when they did struggle early last year, basically specifically the Virginia Tech game, because mm-hmm. then they got rolling after that, they had a whole new offensive line and a quarterback who had never played before. So you were kind of like, well, I get this. Now, now people are back. The offensive line is back. Ezekiel Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott was not a big part of this offense early last year. Rod Smith was scoring touchdowns. <laughs>
1: yeah, Curtis right.
0: Samuel was getting the ball. So Ezekiel Elliott is back. The offensive line is back. Two experienced quarterbacks are back. Michael Thomas is back as an established number one receiver. So, so the fact that we're comparing them to last year, well, last year they had multiple reasons on offense where you said, okay, if they're struggling, it's early, they'll get better. Here, I don't see as many things where you would naturally just say, well, it's on the way up, right? What are the parts of this offense that you would say, hey, they're still learning, they're still growing. This offense clearly can trend up because there are things in place now that aren't established. Are there lots of spots like that with this offense? Or was was this a reasonable offense to look and say, hey, they should be good right away.
2: The only thing that I could point to and the only thing that I might put into that vein is picking a quarterback and sticking with a quarterback and letting him get into the flow of the offense and to kind of get into a groove with his receivers. But they've done that. And the teams that they've played in the time since, even if things weren't 100% in groove, it still shouldn't have looked the way it's looked. And, um, you know, it's not like like you said last year, it's not a, a freshman quarterback who's only making his fourth career start. Now, granted, Cardale is still pretty new in the process, but it's
1: nothing like last year in my opinion, so I agree with you, Doug, in that sense. I think the only thing maybe, and I didn't think of it in this way now before you just said what you said, Doug, but the the perimeter-blocking aspect of it without having Evan Spencer, without having Jeff Hyrman, I think is a real thing. But it's not like at this point last year Ezekiel Elliott was running for 200 yards a game. So if, if that's an issue, and I think it might be a real issue, it wasn't holding back Ohio State's offense at this point in the season last year. So I don't think it's the major thing that's holding it back now. I don't, I don't know what it and is. And even,
2: even if they're struggling at those things, the teams that they're playing... It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. They're right. not nearly as talented as Ohio State at any position on either side of the ball. Now their defense has played well, uh, for the most part. But Ohio State's offense, even if they are struggling in their interior or exterior and the outside, their blocking isn't doing what it should be doing. It still should not be stopping Ohio State from
0: getting into the 30s against Northern Illinois. Through five games last year, Ohio State had... 29 touchdowns. They had 17 passing touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns, and two defensive touchdowns. So far this year in five games, they have 22 touchdowns. They have seven passing touchdowns. They have... I'm doing this by memory. I'm doing (laughs) math in my head. They have... 12 rushing touchdowns and three defensive touchdowns, okay? So they're down seven touchdowns overall through five games. But the stark contrast there is 17 through the air versus seven through the air. Now, Ezekiel Elliott's doing his thing. I mean, we saw that. And and I almost feel like there are some other stats out there that would tell you, hey, the offense is pretty much the same as last last year. Ezekiel Elliott just, like, ran on three plays last week, like – for 200 yards, practically, yeah. right? I mean, fit. what was it, 55, 55 65, 65 75, 75? Yeah. On three rushes. And that saved the game. But I feel like, like, and you can't take those out because that's a big play offense, but I feel like that is skewing some of the stats a little bit. Yeah. So I do think you would look and say this offense, in the end, this offense is lagging, and I think the thing that strikes people is the passing game. The, the lagging in the passing game. We saw it in the red zone. We see it with timing. Urban Meyer talked about that this week a lot. Do you see that? Do you see that timing issue where something's not in rhythm with the pass game?
1: I do. It just seemed like last year it was just like bang, bang, bang. We're going down the field here, seven, eight throws, and we're in the red zone, and then we're going to run it in, or JT's going to run it in. This year it's been like, I think there was a drive against Western Michigan where you, you saw that a little bit, and Cardell Jones wanted to completed like seven or eight passes. They moved into the red zone, and then he had the uh, intentional grounding penalty. I think it was when he threw the ball. Yeah, into the it, was in drill, it was a
0: two minute drill, right? It was, it was a two, two minute, minute drill, drill and he end. looked.
1: I'm, it might have been the best Cardell Josephs looked all year on that drive. Now it was against Western Michigan, but he still he looked sharp. The timing was there. He was the ball. There was smoke coming off the ball. He looked smoke, right? I love smoke. I like smoke. He was he was really rifling in there to guys who were who were open, but it, just, it looked good. It looked like last year for one drive, but other than that, there just hasn't been that snappy, let's get down the field without a hitch. I'm going to throw the ball to four different receivers on this drive, and we're going to score a touchdown. That hasn't happened.
2: What I think is interesting, and the number one thing that Urban Meyer himself said in Chicago, the biggest concern of this offense is replacing Devin Smith. Now, we've written about it and we've talked about it, but there is no Devin Smith on this team. And a lot of the big play, big plays in the passing game were a result of, hey, Cardell Jones, throw it up. Devin Smith, go and get it and create a big play in the passing game. And uh, I don't think there's anybody on this team, maybe even including Mike Thomas, that can make those types of plays on a consistent basis. So Ohio state right now is not only in search of its quarterback heading into a groove, but it's in search of wide receivers who can consistently uh, get open, create separation and create plays and, now after Corey Smith went down, which I'm not sure is a huge loss in the passing game, but this this receiving core as a group is lacking depth and the experience
0: in terms of playmaking ability that Ohio State had at the end of last year. You know, the, the Devin Smith stuff really came into play, obviously, in the postseason when Cardell Jones got in there. Although people seem to forget in the moment that Braxton Miller and JT Barrett threw deep balls to mm-hmm. Devin Smith, too. But what you're talking about, Bill, is you're not talking about that. No. You're talking no. about the bing-bang-boom, and so... I'm a little surprised that they can't—they haven't bing bang boomed with Braxton Miller and Curtis Samuel and Michael Thomas and Nick Vanette and swing passes to Ezekiel Elliott and, and I thought I thought and Jalen Marshall. They they seemingly they seemingly were gonna be the bing bang boom, you know that that's what you, that, thought, that, yeah. that's what you thought because okay if they don't have the deep threat they have multiple other playmakers yeah. hit them with the quick passes and let's go. Yeah, it, it looks hard. Doesn't it? I, it? It doesn't.
2: Ohio State has a certain, or had a certain ability to make things look easy at times, and, and, tr- and it just seems even against teams that don't have the speed or the athleticism to keep up uh, with their offense, they just seem to have a very hard time moving the ball efficiently and quickly. And the up-tempo offense and, and all that stuff should be humming along a lot more than it is. It looks hard, and it shouldn't look hard, especially right now at this point in the season.
0: And that's interesting because when JT Barrett. Beat out Cardell Jones for the job before 2014. In the end, when we asked why was that, Tom Herman said, the offense just moves better. And now we're sitting here saying the offense is just not moving. That doesn't mean we think they should change quarterbacks. It is an offensive observation. Yeah. But going big picture a little more, Bill, we talked about this. We do a first four mock playoff committee each week at Cleveland.com. It goes up every Tuesday morning. We have 13 voters. From around the country, Bill and I are both part of that. There are two questions you can ask. Would Ohio State be in the playoff right now in the four-team playoff if the season ended today, based on what we've seen and the resumes teams have? And you can ask, do you think they're going to be there in the end? I think, do you think they're going to be there in the end is a more interesting question. Mm -hmm. So that is the question for you, Bill Landis. Do you think Ohio State is going to be in the four-team playoff based on what you've seen so far.
1: I do. Um, And, yeah, this is part of the discussion this week. And I said my reasoning for it is basically while the the problems that we're seeing, I think, are are a bit more magnified and seem maybe a little more glaring than they were last year, when Ohio State had to turn it on and play its best game and beat a good team, they did it last year. They did it every time they had to do it last year with the exception of Virginia Tech, which was kind of a fluky thing because they weren't ready for that game. But Michigan State – Wisconsin, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State was probably as good as it could ever be in those four games. So um, I'll bank on Urban Meyer's resume, I guess, and say that I expect Ohio State to do that this year when the time comes. So uh, yeah, I think they're going to be in the playoff at the end of the year. The only thing that concerns me is I always thought that Ohio State, and I think you agreed with
2: this, Doug, when you picked Indiana to win, that Ohio State could overcome even a midseason blunder and a loss and still get in. Right now, I do think Ohio State's going to get into the playoff, and I don't think they're going to lose a regular season game. But now I'm starting to wonder if last year's Florida State situation with how they looked coming off a national title and winning games, unless Ohio State turns it on, if this is the way they're going to look all year, I don't think they could overcome a loss and still get in, depending on what the thing looks like nationally in terms of the picture. So um, I do think Ohio State's going to win all their games, and I do think they're going to be in the playoff. But I wonder if they're hurting their national perception, um, one that probably was seemed like it couldn't be heard at all after what they did last year, uh, just in terms of the national perspective. And I think we're going to get a little bit into the fact that a lot of people this week in the national media and stuff are saying that, that based on the merits of what Ohio State's done, they wouldn't put them in a playoff at the season end today. That's a different discussion. But just the idea that Ohio State isn't the overwhelming number one favorite in a lot of people's minds right now is interesting to me.
0: If they went out, there in.
2: For sure. Yes. You know,
0: I mean, some people have started to f- sort of float the idea – of you know could they be in danger if they win out they are in. they're going to play michigan state michigan's going to be good they're probably going to get a decent foe out of the west yeah somewhere so if they win they're in florida state last year was less impressive than ohio state has been over the full course of a season as the defending national champ they were undefeated people were kind of poo-pooing them but they still were number three i do think i said before the season i think they're in it they're in if they win out, and they're in with one loss. Because, one, do we agree that there are going to be one-loss teams in the playoff this year? Yeah, I think there's... A, do you there always this, yes. So yeah. last year there was only one, right? No, Oregon had a loss too. Oregon yeah, had the word Arizona loss, but they yeah. were ahead of Florida State. Yes. Okay, so... So there will be, but I do think you make a good point, Ari, that they are, every little bit of this, they are losing their margin for error, which I think last year, I think the whole time we thought their margin for error is, is gone. Zero, they yeah. blew their margin for error out of the water by losing to Virginia Tech. This year, they started with a big margin for error. You know, I thought, well, they'll win any head-to-head battle among one-loss teams if the committee's really getting down to the nitty-gritty at the end. And compare. I said, well, I mean, they'll win that. You know, because I think they'll have, even if their schedule's not great, they're the defending national champs, they have a lot of talent. If they lose a weird one like they had lost to Indiana, people will say that was a fluke. Look, they beat Michigan State, they beat Michigan, they won the Big Ten title. But I do think this, you might not realize it until you're in the moment, at the end in the committee room in December, but I think they are scooching toward losing that margin for error. One point I wanted to make is that the Michigan State game was week nine last week last year last year yeah excuse me week 9 last year and you bill you said this week you thought that was their best game of the year last year right so I did, yeah. so to say we're getting ready for for game 6 right game 9 they were awesome mm-hmm. last year so i think that's a reasonable threshold because that's when they had to be great and they were
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that was i mean they were as good against michigan state on the road as they were that was even better than Alabama and Oregon, wasn't it? I thought so. I thought it, I thought it looked better. Yeah, I mean, because there, there were
1: moments against Alabama and Oregon where you thought, "Man, they're going to lose this game. They're just not playing well." I thought against Michigan State the entire time they played well, and while they were trailing, I think at one point in that game it was never like, "Oh, Ohio State's going to get blown out." Like they, they were blow for blow with Michigan State the entire time.
2: I, I thought Alabama was the most impressive game of the year, but that's probably for that's different, different right. reasons. But I don't know if that's off topic. But what was, different reason? What different reason? I think the different reason is is that Alabama was like crazy good in terms of talent, and not only did they, they look, they, I think erasing a 21-6 deficit and, and basically rolling over them and just kind of asserting their power over a team as deep and as good as
1: Alabama was more impressive than beating Michigan State last year. Going down 21-6 is the reason I think Michigan State
0: was a better game overall. Fair enough. They, and I do think that, you know, it's easy to forget, but they had to go on the road to a good team that had beaten them the year before and ruined their season and knocked them out of the national title game, and they had to go on the road and win that game in order to keep everything else alive. You know, everything that happened after Michigan State only happened because they beat Michigan State. Now, of course, I mean, I guess you can say that they lost to Wisconsin, they wouldn't have been there, and if they lost Alabama, they wouldn't have gotten to Oregon. So maybe that points a stupid point. <laughs> um, but I did think that was that was just really good, and I and I think people can forget about that. And I think my people might have forgotten about that when they think about J.T. Barrett. You know, yeah. like, how good was J.T. Barrett in that game? Like, uh, I don't want this to... I mean, well, I guess it can be if we want it to be. Is this a discussion of should the should the quarterback change? That wasn't what our intent was coming into this. But that was the best-played game by an Ohio State quarterback last year. No fun. doubt about it. What's was what J.T. Barrett did at Michigan I'll State. never
2: forget that throw he hit. Third down throw, yeah. yeah. That's, that best, was the best, best throw of, of the year. year. For all the, the talk that we hear about... Cardale Jones rocket cannon. I think that JT Barrett had the most single impressive throw of last season. Yeah, and maybe it was, a, Yeah.
1: The down and distance and the way I mean he placed it on the sideline to a, a receiver and tight. Yeah, it was about as well executed as a throw can be, I think. I'm
2: not gonna hijack
1: the
0: debate, the, the I guess, but I have always thought that JT should be the quarterback and I still believe that. And, I mean if it's that JT Barrett, that yeah. Michigan State on the road making the throws, leading the way, huge thing, JT Barrett. That's a hard beat. That's a hard. He must not be that J.T. Barrett, because if he's saying he hasn't, if if Urban Meyer is saying J.T. Barrett hasn't beaten Cardale Jones out, that J.T. Barrett would beat out this Cardale Jones. You
2: think? Oh yeah, I, I don't know. I just I, the J.T. Barrett that I have in my mind is the one that broke the Big Ten touchdowns record and in his freshman year after losing a game that he wasn't prepared for, literally dominated the Big Ten. And we wouldn't be having this discussion right now if that JT Barrett was Ohio State's quarterback. But I guess the question is, does that JT Barrett exist anymore? I don't know why it wouldn't. Ten games is a pretty big
0: resume. It's not like he's incapable of performing like Where that. did that J? Yeah. Stay tuned next week for our new <laughs> podcast, Where Did That JT Barrett Go? All right, we're going to holster that discussion. That is a half-an-hour discussion. Where did yeah. that JT Barrett go? We'll see how things go with Cardale This is what happens
2: when we're in the car, but yeah, it's not about football. This is, at least that this is
0: being team. recorded. <laughs> This, this discussion, yeah, usually it's like, oh, that should have been a podcast. That actually was a podcast. All right, Bill, you're going to put that on your phone? Yes. Right what right happened to me. that JT Barrett? The real JT Barrett, please stand up. Okay, so we did this all last year. If you didn't follow us last year, we did shows last year where we wore sports coats and sat on couches and drove to Cleveland to, to shoot those. And this year, we just talk. So I, this is a little easier. But last year, the whole year... All we talked about every week was, is the Big Ten going to have a team in the playoff? Slash, is Ohio State going to be in the playoff? And every single week, all three of us said no. No. (laughs) And we were wrong, (laughs) desperately wrong. But it's an interesting topic. So let's go on the record here after five games. Bill Landis is on the record. Will Ohio State be in the playoff at the end of this season? And you are on the record as? Yes, yes. Ari Wasserman, at the end of this season, will Ohio State be in the playoff? Yes. And here comes Doug out the games <laughs> up. again. <laughs> you know, I'm the one guy of this group who picked Ohio State to repeat this year. Yes, that is true. I picked them to lose a regular season game and to repeat, to not be the number one seed, to get in as a one-loss team, to be better at the end of the year than they were in the middle of the year. So I guess maybe I'm on to something. You know, I I was wrong last week when I picked them to beat Indiana. But I guess I will ride with that. I think two things are are working in their favor. Okay, one thing is working in their favor. Everybody on Michigan State is hurt. Yeah, I have not followed it 100% closely. Every single week, Michigan State suffers a debilitating, season-long, critical injury to a starter. They just lost their best guy in the secondary, Williamson, right? In addition to all the offensive line stuff.
1: Yeah, and uh, Ed Davis, Ed the Davis. Yeah,
0: and the yeah. So I know yeah. it's like Ohio State, with what they did with the quarterbacks last year, it's sort of like you can't talk injuries with anybody because it's like Ohio State won the national championship with their third-string quarterback, but that is a real thing for Michigan State. Yeah. I'm not sure the Michigan State team that we're going to see in Columbus on November 21st is going to be the team everybody thought it would be because of injuries, possibly. Yeah, Point two, that I was going to try to make a point, except it's not really, it's the opposite point, is like, how, what if Michigan's like really good? Like, I think we thought it's the rivalry, it's going to be at Ann Arbor, Michigan's going to be competitive. Are we on track, possibly, of Michigan not just being a rivalry game? Emotion, Harbaugh, throwback memories of 1969, all that. Are, are we at a point where we maybe won't just have that, we're going to have Michigan, very, very good football team? Yeah, I think they have- Expecting them to be nine and two right now is probably
2: realistic,
1: right? If I not, think so, yeah, man. I mean I think they've gotten progr- I mean I haven't watched every game, but from what I've heard and read they've gotten progressively better every week. I think the defense is for real. So yeah, that's gonna be I, that's gonna be more than just like a neat thing to talk about. That's gonna be a real football game. I'm really excited to watch Michigan and Northwestern this week.
2: Well I don't know if we're gonna have to watch it. What time does it start, Doug? Uh
0: I don't know actually. It might what, be at What time. Noon. We start at noon? Okay. Yeah. I'll be there at noon then. Um Cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you guys told me that. So Great. they show up at like halftime. Um, yeah, that's an interesting game. Michigan actually, you know, they've got that. they got Michigan State um, coming up the... It's two weeks uh, after that, the 24th,
1: right?
0: I think it's the night They that play Ohio Michigan State, State the same week Ohio State plays Penn State, yes. which is yes. the week after this yes. week, right? Yeah. So Michigan's going Northwestern, Michigan State back-to-back. That's going to tell us something about Michigan. If Michigan wins both those games... They're the new Michigan State. Then we're doing a whole Michigan podcast. Then Ari's just going to go be embedded in Ann Arbor for like a month because that. I love that. <laughs> that buildup is going to be huge. Cat Singers is up there. Um, Not Cat Singers. What's it
2: called? Oh, the deli. From the, that. The what's the engagement. deli. It's uh, an F, doesn't it? I knew it started with an S, though. Oh, my
0: gosh. We just lost all of our Michigan listeners. I know what you're talking about. But it's the one in the movie that Jason Siegel worked on. Yeah, right? It's
2: very famous. It's a uh, Jewish deli. It's uh,
0: Whatever. Let's oh, just continue. Man. That's going to bother me. All right, if we have anybody who can put in the comments what the name of the deli is, we would appreciate that. But we appreciate you. Zingermans. Zingermans. Zingerman. Got it. Thanks for um, Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bad Podcast. I can't remember what, is this number six? Six or seven? I think it's number six. I think it's six. Okay. Um, basketball is getting ready to roll here a little bit for Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have some stories on that. But uh, football is still the focus for now, so... Stick with us at cleveland.com slash OSU, five to ten stories a day, recruiting stuff from Ari, yeah. uh, videos. We have uh, some big stuff planned for down the road, and uh, we have this little podcast we do. So thanks for listening, for Ari Wasserman, for Bill Landis. I'm Doug Maurice for cleveland.com on The Bad Podcast.